Hey everyone, and welcome back to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. This is episode six of the new Playable Futures mini-series, which is hosted right here on your regular GI podcast feed. I'm Will Freeman, I'm a freelance games journalist, long-time GI contributor, do other bits and pieces hanging around the games industry, and right now I'm the host of Playable Futures. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about kind of the future of talent pipelines, solutions to skills shortages and the gaps that can be there, how we can fill positions at different seniorities, joining the dots between industry and education, all really important stuff, not just for the games industry, but for people who can take on the learnings of learning about games and apply that to other parts of their lives. And we've got three perfect guests for that discussion. I'm going to be joined by Marsha Deacon, co-founder of Next Gen Skills Academy, Shanila Saeed, head of education at Yuki and director of Digital Schoolhouse, and Kira McGarvey, head of people at Future Lab. In that role, she's partnered with the Intergames Initiative and things like that. If this is your first episode of the Playable Futures mini-series, what is Playable Futures? Well, it's a project that gathers insights from industry veterans and leaders, creative visionaries, people of any industry, any level, kind of shaking up what games can be and where games are going. And we're talking to those people to kind of peer into the future of gaming. We've got a few episodes behind us already. This is episode six. You can already check out the previous ones for insights from the likes of the United Nations, Playtonic, Sega's Amplitude Studios, Roll7, Gearbox and more. Before we dive in, thanks to the project partners that have helped put this together, obviously GI for letting us sneak into their podcast feed and help supporting us in so many ways, Yuki and Diva Agency, all those people have worked together to make Playable Futures as a podcast series possible. That's all you need to know for now. Let's dive in. So now we're joined by guests, Marcia, Kira and Shanila. Um, I'll let them all introduce themselves in a moment. But as you just heard, we're going to tuck into kind of the opportunities and challenges around getting the right talent, the right mix of talent into games, the game industry. And I guess as that grows, the many things around it. Um, Before we dive into the conversation, um, I'll just get each of you to introduce yourself. Um, Marcia, did you want to go first? What brings you the point where you're thinking and talking about games talent pipelines as part of what you do hi will well i'm a co-founder of next gen skills academy and we're uh, an employee-led organization for the games animation and vfx uh, industry and we spend all day every day addressing the skills challenges and the diversity for the games industry uh, talent pipeline fantastic and Kira, I understand you're not a million miles away from that, also also part of a game studio. So yeah, it'd be great to hear a little about that briefly. I am head of people at um, a games company called Future Lab. Um, and one of the main things that we're focusing on right now is recruitment. And we are finding that the market today is very challenging for finding the candidates with the right skills um, to bring into um, the company. And I know it's... Uh, problem that quite a lot of the studios are facing at the moment. Right, okay, well definitely want to dive into that very soon but before we do, uh, Shanila you're um, from Digital Schoolhouse yeah it'd be just great to hear a bit about yourself and what Digital Schoolhouse is briefly Yeah, hi Um, so I'm director for the Digital Schoolhouse programme which is, and also head of education for Yuki Uh, Digital Schoolhouse is delivered by Yuki and aims to 
uh, work with schools and colleges and inspire and engage teachers and students with computing and the opportunities within the sort of creative digital world, video games industry. Um, so it was sort of came out of, I, I used to be a teacher once upon a time, left it nine years ago to join Yuki and really sort of start Digital Schoolhouse, which came directly off the back of the Next Gen Skills report that was uh, produced at the time and led to the change we saw in the computing curriculum. Cool. Okay. And that actually, so, you know, we've already kind of covered quite a breadth of this. You know, we've got uh, one end, schools and future talent, and at the other end, I guess, the game industry and its needs. The conversation in this episode, we're going to kind of be talking about the future and where things are going in terms of the opportunity and challenges in game talent pipelines. Um, and, you know, the relationship, I guess, between talent and where the industry's going. Before we get to that, it would be good to talk a little bit about the now. I guess from outside the industry, it might be easy to see a growing industry with lots of opportunity within it and a growing amount of interest in that industry, including from young people who might be thinking about future careers. So it could sound fairly straightforward, right? There's a growing industry and interest in that industry. I imagine it's not quite as simple as that. So before we look to the future, I'd like just love to, you know, what founds, perhaps let's start with the challenge. What founds the challenge of game industry talent pipelines today? And I'll, I'll start by throwing that to you, if that's okay, Marcia. Um, yeah, of course. Um, I think the games industry has long had um, a challenges with the talent pipeline. Um, we've had skills gaps and shortages that were highlighted in the Next Gen Skills Report that Shanila mentioned um, earlier. Um, and we don't have enough people with the right skills coming into the industry. We have a lot of open heads. You talk to any of the recruiters or talent people in SMEs, large companies, and they just can't find the right people to, to come into our industry. Um, so in terms of entry-level roles, we there are lots of people who want to come in. Um, we have lots of um, uh, universities and colleges producing, producing talent for us, um, but they don't always have the right skills. Further up the talent pipeline. Cool, yeah. And, and Kiri, you sort of being in the world of a studio that's recruiting as well, is that something you see, a bit of a disconnect between suitable talent and interest in joining the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, the transferable skills is something that we struggle with at the moment, especially when it comes to, um, you know, middle level positions. Um, we're seeing a lot of people that um, are, you know, staying quite stagnant in their role. Therefore, it's making it harder to find you know senior positions and have people to mentor the the juniors as well I think also um with some of our roles it's very limited for juniors because there is that gap where you know for uh, a junior programmer we need them to be able to code in order to come in and you know get on with their job but they're only really getting that experience if they can go to university at the minute so there's a big gap there of someone that may at school want to be a programmer but they don't have the ability to go on and do a university course in it so that's sort of what we're looking at at the moment interesting so it sounds like 
I imagine this might be familiar to some listeners who've been kind of keeping an eye on these themes, but it sounds like part of the solution, and I know there's been an ongoing effort with this, is kind of connecting up the dots between education at different levels and and the games industry maybe interplay between the two or collaboration. Um, it feels it's fair to put this to Shanila first of all. Like it, How important is that as part of the solution and how is the effort going there? Kind of cooperation, I guess, between educators and industry. Um, it's a really important part, actually, getting industry and educators to talk to each other so that we can share that knowledge and expertise. Uh, each is an expert in their own right. Um, and and it's, it's about enabling people to come around the table um, and you know and so that we can bridge that gap really and and share that learning across and so you know we we hear from uh people who delivering courses who talk about um wanting industry input to try and help make sure that they are customizing and shaping their courses so that students are walking out with the right skill sets we hear from studios who talk about uh you know, points that were raised previously about people coming out of courses not with the right skill sets and, and needing that. So there is a bit of a disconnect there. And I think uh, Yuki is trying to um, do its best to sort of bridge that gap through the work that we do. But it, it's not an easy task. And this is a this is a mighty big mm. challenge. And I think we've got, a, we've got a long way to go before we can collectively solve it. But we do need to come together to do exactly that. And, and we can only yeah. do it through communicating with each other openly, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, we're definitely going to have to talk about the challenges here, but, uh, you know, you're talking about we need to solve those. I guess just broadly speaking, especially looking to the future, and again, a, a question for all of you is, what is what is the gain, what are the gains of getting this right? I mean, beyond filling individual roles with good people, how does this help what games in the games industry is? What's, what's the motivator to take on this challenge? I think the gains from it would be um, a huge piece would be inclusion. Right now, it's very mm -hmm. limited to, you know, you need to have um, a further education in order to break into the gaming industry and even a junior role. Um, and I think if we start that earlier in early education, people that don't have the ability to go to university or college for whatever reason or don't particularly want to go to university or college it's not going to be a blocker for them getting into an industry and a career that they want to fulfill i guess the broader our definition of what inclusion can mean right the more different voices are informing games from game design to game business to studio management oh, is it absolutely and i marcia like how, how do you do you, do you see a kind of similar game there? Like, what what is the potential for the medium and industry from your perspective in getting this right? There's a huge potential. Um, studies have found that if you have a more diverse, uh, a diverse workforce, you actually have better productivity. You're drawing from a deeper talent pool. Um, if you're more culturally culturally sensitive, you have better empathy and understanding. Um, if you're building better teams, you have improved employer retention and motivation. And I think it's it's amazing as an industry, we are popular right across right across um, all different kinds of people, and we need to we need to um, promote 
that and, and promote ambition and driving young people. And if you can see it, you can be it, as the saying goes. Right, yeah, and of course that's so important, right? You know, I can, I'm saying this from my privileged, you know, privileged um, position myself, but that importance of of seeing an aspiration. I get, you know, that that I'm kind of going a little bit off topic here already, but I'm starting to think about like how do we overcome the challenge? Then there's, you know, we need to get the people in those positions to inform the generation currently perhaps dreaming of being in the in the game industry you know looking forward what can we do to kind of get that first generation in to inform inform the next uh, but maybe i'll put this to you again shanila i think i think we have to start younger um and i think people um it need to look at this with a long-term with a long-term vision and i, I you know there is merit of course in for example uh, focusing efforts on 16 to 18 year olds because you know you know your your returns in in terms of those people then entering entering the workforce are, are a lot sooner but actually I think what we need here is um, a little bit of a perception shift in in how the industry is perceived as a sector for possible career pathways um, you know we games by the you know are, are fun and entertaining but that fun and entertaining, Quite often, um, that perception doesn't then necessarily always equate to uh, the industry being perceived as a secure and and promising sector for for professions mm-hmm. and growth. And so, especially if you are looking at people from uh, different backgrounds and and certain certain types of backgrounds, where um, potentially some research has shown them to be more risk averse. Um, you know, they're looking for secure jobs, secure jobs that will support them with an income, help move them, you know, up the socioeconomic scale uh, or ladder or however you present that. And, you know, and, and you know, if the games industry, it's if it's not known, if it's not clear what the route in is, how, what is the job security, what is, what is that pathway, then mm-hmm. they're less likely to know to enter it. And, I think trying to change someone's mind when they're 17 years old is is a lot more difficult than trying to change it when they're seven. You know, when um, mm-hmm. children, it, it, there's there's some research done a few years back, um, which uh, demonstrated that by the age of 12, a child may not know what career they want to go into, but they certainly know what they're not interested in and what they don't want to go into. And And right. I think... Um, there is merit there in in helping children put uh, the dis- creative digital sector, the video game sector, onto onto their horizon, really, uh, just onto their radar and in their consciousness yeah. and and general awareness that you know there are opportunities here for us. And what you know when you when you see that happening, when when you have children doing that as that general awareness, you will naturally see more children, a greater number of children following and trying to pursue one of the talent pathways and and a more diverse range of students. You know, it, it's about creating a perception shift. It's about creating that conversation. It's about helping younger people and people en masse being able to see that entering um, our sector is just as promising a career pathway as any other tech sector. 
Yeah, and that kind of, you know, promise and careers being sustainable and so on, you make me realise not having to think so much of that is about, is a perspective of privilege, right? Whereas actually showing that this isn't just a dream job, it's a functioning career, so to speak, is is equally important. Um, Marcia and Kira, I'd be interested in your thoughts. You know, are are we talking about roughly the same thing? You know, we don't, obviously kind of skilling up and changing the mindset of young people is important, but we also want to welcome people, I don't know, maybe people that move over from another industry or older people or people that aren't at primary school age anymore. What, what's, what's the broad effort in terms of uh, away from education with just opening up the games industry to more people? I'm going to throw that to you, Marsha. Um, well, they, I think the games industry would really benefit from career changes and actually bringing people over from other industries and the kind of skills that we that you know that we need are in leadership and management um, in project management. It's not just about programming or about art. And I think actually broadening out the awareness to other sectors about what it is, what we do. And how we create product would also be really useful because we're in competition with the fintech center. We're in competition mm-hmm. with VFX animation and content creation right across. So yeah, I think it would. It's really important that there is a broader understanding of what we need to make games. Yeah, yeah, sure, and. That fills my head with some other questions, but Kira, have you, you know, your work, have you, have you seen interest, you know, are we getting interest from people apart from people graduating from college and the education remit of people? What's your experience been as a studio there, I guess? Yeah, so we are not really seeing a lot of people from other industries applying for some of our roles. Um, and I think that similar to what Marcia said, is just that there's a, a lack of understanding of what we do in the video game industry there you know we're not just solely focused on artists and programmers and animators we've got a lot of you know other uh, opportunities for people that they could bring transferable skills to um production is a key example of that area because um it is a lot about managing schedules assigning workflows um keeping on track for launches so there's a lot of um roles within the industry that we could definitely um use people that have different backgrounds coming across that really interesting i guess it makes me think you know yeah we're at this point with the games industry with this amazing increase in breadth as well as size in terms of what games are um you know we don't need to tumble into this conversation about whether the metaverse is a credible thing to talk about but gigs in Fortnite, fan-made content, I guess, you know, the metaverse, esports stuff, communities, streaming, like games are growing beyond games. And also in this era when game developers or game studios might be hiring economists and architects. And I've spoken to studios that have hired supermarket layout designers and circus choreographers and so on. Is that a simple solution then? There's more different types of (laughs) career for us to put out there or, you know, how how does how does that affect the challenge? That kind of breadth of types of ways there are of being involved in games. Um, Marcia, go on, dive dive on that one for us. 
I think it's a challenge we'll write across the tech and creative sectors. In in I think our biggest challenge is that we're not the only industry who are creating content content and growing and are after these people with with the skills that we need. Um, so yes, our skills are transferable. Um, I agree with Shanila, we need to start earlier and we need to start educating young people and parents um, and across uh, careers advisors to let them know that our industry is out here and that we need these skills and you could have a sustainable a sustainable career and maybe challenge some of the misconceptions or misperceptions around the games industry. Uh, what what kind of misconceptions or misperceptions do you mean there? I think um, quite often we don't get seen as a as a real career or a real job. As Shanila said, you know, people think about going into the tech industry um, or the finance industry, and those roles are also available in games and challenge around the idea of um, it being somewhat of a toxic culture. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess obviously, yeah, other stories have rumbled on to do with the re- the sad reality of toxic culture, some other move, you know, I guess the interplay between some gamers and the game industry. I that's that's a really interesting challenge. I I also before touching on that one, it was interesting interesting that idea of we've got to we've got to kind of evangelise almost and obviously I guess through schools and you mentioned careers advisors the systems to engage with parents and teachers uh, parents and kids and so on what about contacting with other industries reaching people that might not be sure which tech sector to go to you know considering how it's many times we've mentioned kind of evangelising our industry and its career worthiness how do we go about doing that evangelising how do we connect with people it's probably just a standardizing education piece, like similar to, you know, the younger generations and mm-hmm. um, those that are already out there thinking about a career change. Um, it's about letting them understand that there is a place in the creative industry for them. It doesn't matter, you know, if they've been working at a financial services company mm-hmm. for the last 15 years doing tech, that's still got a lot of things that they could <clears throat> excuse me, bring over to um, the gaming industry. Um, and I think as well, um, certainly studios that re- use recruiters, um, widening their pipeline of talent, because right now the search is just directly for those that are working in the gaming industry. Um, whereas, you know, a scroll through LinkedIn, you could find numerous people that have, you know, tick all the boxes that we're looking for, but they don't tend to go you know, hunting for people that aren't within the gaming industry at the moment. Um, so I think, yeah, tapping out and educating, you know, the wider um, population on what it is that we do in the creative industry would be a really good thing. Oh. And something else that's come up a lot that makes me think of skilling people up and giving them the right skills and the right skills for the entry level stuff. Like, what are we talking about by skilling people up relevantly? Again, perhaps I'll put this to you, Shanila. Does this come down to dialogue between educators and the industry? Uh, We do talk about it, yes. Um, And I I think it depends on the type of role that you're looking for um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the skills required. Um, You know, I think that there's a sort of general conversation happening around, you know, um, more 
courses that develop, you know, specialize, enable students to specialize in particular skill sets uh, is potentially preferable as opposed to courses that provide just a general foundational knowledge across the board. Because if you've got a specialized skill set, uh, you're able to go into a more technical role much more quickly. Um, and there's, I guess, potentially less onboarding involved. So, I mean, there, there is that. And then when you look at that, it's looking at the, the sort of qualifications and, and, and pathways uh, piece across it as well. So in terms of the future of that, are we talking about games being more present across curriculums at every educational level, more game-specific stuff being in integrated into education and careers advice? To you, Shanila, what does the kind of future structure of how education might better serve the games industry and vice versa, how, how does that look to you? I think, um, so there's two sides to when you think about games and education, there's there's actually two ways to do this. So one is using the actual video game as a learning tool. And that that might be um that that might be a sort of a triple A title that has some educational merit. So um, you know, in terms of its context or, you know, the the world within which it sits, or it might be the mechanics in that allows you to learn, you know, we think about sandbox style games that allow you to do a number of things. So, you know, the the, the game itself, playing the game allows you to learn something or to develop a skill set. So there is, there is that. Second is uh, another way, again, is using the video game, but almost as an inspiration, uh, as an inspirational piece for you to then, ch for children to be able to use that as a context upon which to learn other things. There is a game-based or play-based learning pedagogy as an approach. And the idea of using video games in part and parcel of education as a way and mechanism for teaching um, is becoming increasingly spoken about within the education circles. I hear more about game-based learning from other people today than, than I did five years ago even. So there is there is an engaging interest there um, about using video games in education. Uh, and as I said, there's sort of multiple ways to do it, which involve playing the game and involve just being inspired by, by the sort of game mechanics. To move back to the studio responsibility, the games industry's responsibility here, and what we can do, like, what is the wider industry's responsibility here? What can studios and game firms do? What would you encourage them to do to help with this effort, Marcia? Well, I've, I'm just coming to the end of a 16-week programme with Warner Brothers and Rocksteady called Access to Rocksteady. And it mm -hmm. has been an amazing programme whereby they have purposefully reached out into the community and provided training. Um, they've removed barriers in terms of software or geography and have brought... 20 people of all different uh all different ages all different stages in their career and actually taking the time to work with them to work with them on their creative skills but also in their background knowledge of the games industry and brought them together on a live project um so that they can see how the games industry works what the games industry is all about um, and actually give them the opportunity to come into entry-level roles. So 
it's almost like instead of waiting for people to come to us, we need to go out to where people are and offer really practical solutions. Um, there's many people across the industry running programs or, or trying to, to work their way through this problem. And I actually think what would be amazing is actually doing something like this and getting more of us together so we can have a unified approach. Right. Okay. And I guess that I feel like there's reasons to be optimistic there, right? It's not like no projects are going on. Perhaps we're, there's a bit more bringing together. Do you, do you feel optimistic about that happening, Marcia, that we can kind of coordinate a bit more? Absolutely. Uh, for uh, Reasons for optimism. I'm seeing a real um, uptick in, in people wanting to engage and wanting to talk about it. Um, there are programs we run, Sony, Prince's Trust, Rocksteady. Um, I think what the games industry would really benefit from is a, an overall skills organisation that whose purpose was to look at these things and actually bring together everyone under an um, under one umbrella. Yeah, amazing. And that oh, I'll put this next question to Kira actually. But that point about the Rocksteady's project. It feels like game studios, game companies in general, kind of wanting to help with this effort for the collective gain, need to kind of think a bit more long-term than short-term in terms of the gains of running those kind of projects. What's your experience, Kira, been at Future Lab in terms of... Yeah, I was going to say how where it's worth putting the effort in, but, like, how you think... When, when you're conceiving things to do to engage people, like... What kind of goals do you think about? Does it take a kind of long-term mindset? Yeah, it absolutely does. One of the key things that we want to be able to do is grow our own talent effectively. Um, one of the blockers that we have had has been capacity. You know, we were, up until recently, a relatively small studio. Um, we're currently going through a period of growth, um, which has meant that we are currently recruiting for five junior artists, two junior designers and some junior programmers because we now have the capacity to bring them in and give the, the full training and support and mentorship that they need to really succeed. Um, but I think, you know, if other studios take on a similar approach um, because, you know, one of the things that we are always tight for um, in the gaming industry is time. You know, we're working to milestones and deadlines and, you know, training juniors as opposed to getting you know a mid or senior in that can come in and just hit the ground running is a you know a very different challenge um so I think you know collectively if studios work together on the same idea of you know growing our own talent from within it would be a really good place to start but you mentioning time thing there. I would have been thinking that like wow you know as if people in across the roles in a game studio aren't busy enough it's a it's a lot extra take on. We've got, there are obviously some solutions and meaningful approaches we've discussed. What about? I'm thinking of any people at smaller studios that might be listening. Perhaps it's as simple as coming together, working together. But is there stuff? You know, I guess maybe not teams of one, but teams of ten. Team. What what might those? What might be some solutions there to kind of help those studios with that effort? I'll throw that to you, Kira, unless anyone else is keen to jump on. Yeah, so I think it all comes down to the capacity that people have and just looking at it. I think, you know, you could get, instead of getting, you know, one mid-level um, artist in, you could look at getting two 
junior artist sim and you know it's roughly the same cost to the studio but you're getting people that are keen to learn and develop themselves so you are getting back a benefit from that because people you know when they get their first break in the industry they're keen to show and prove themselves so it definitely is worthwhile considering yeah, that's a really nice idea. I love I love that, like you say, kind of breaking down the roles. Master, do you have anything to add there on, you know, what's, I guess, almost studios of every size, but I'm thinking if this is a collective effort and the studios listening thinking, blimey, we're not big enough, I don't have the capacity to run our own, pro- you know, run our own incubator or pro- projects or anything like that, what, what, else can, what else can people in games do to help with this effort? I think... There are a lot of, there's lots of opportunities for studios to get involved. They don't have to run big projects, but they can work with um, people like NextGen and Digital Schoolhouse and get involved in their local areas. They can um, support local game jams. And it is really difficult. It's difficult where the real crunch that we've got in skills gaps and skill shortages is in that mid to senior level um mm. and until we kind of solve that problem um there isn't going to be the capacity um as Kara said for studios to actually bring in the amounts of young talent that we need because of deadlines and milestones and because we're a business so i think it's yeah we have to come together and, and tackle both those things at the same time but perhaps one motivating, you know, obviously the effort needed here is tremendous and complicated, but I guess one motivating factor, we talked before about kind of toxicity and, you know, those kind of cultures, crunch culture, those kind of things, understandably making people feel cautious about joining us, as, w- as well as those issues being a hurdle to people joining us. If we can solve some of this talent pipeline, if we can bring more representative teams and inclusive and welcoming teams, is it idealistic or unrealistic to of me to say this might also help us manage or overcome toxicity and crunch culture and so on um i think that i think that would be perfect will that would be that would be go a huge way to addressing because if we look welcoming if we look like a culture like an industry that wants you then you're more likely to come and want to work with us Yeah, I really like, you know, the power of that word welcoming. I've been using inclusion and representation recently. Someone said to me, and it needs to be welcoming as well. There's like, you know, being being friendly as well as having the mindset of wanting to bring in a kind of representative representative workforce. Um, Let's finish with each of you. Where do you hope we might be with games talent pipelines in say 10 years Shanila I'll throw that to you first of all well um gosh it's or uh, 20 years or 50 years uh, if you want <laughs> 10 years would be great I mean I'd like to see I mean, it makes sense in what we've been talking about I'd love to see um where it's just just a matter of kind of culture across the entire industry where you know we're supporting and nurturing the talent we already have and enabling them to grow in seniority and rank whilst at the same time opening up junior roles for people coming in and enabling that for a sustainable pipeline. Um, I'd also like to see uh, us, uh, the industry, and uh, changes in how it's perceived by people outside of it. So by people from other sectors, from people from mainstream, I'd like it to be seen as a viable, stable, secure industry for people to come and work in, a place where people want to come and work, an exciting Mm -hmm. and challenging role 
um, that they will be able to get a lot out of. I'd like to see us as an industry speaking to other people, you know, as in sometimes sometimes I think we can preach to the converted uh, if you don't mind yeah. me saying so. Um, and and I, and I think it would be great for us to, you know, in 10 years time or 15 years time or hopefully sooner than 10 or 15 years time. But, you know, us for it to be more commonplace for us to break into other conversation spaces, other areas uh, where we don't usually go, where we don't where we're not usually heard, uh, where our voice is not present. So I would I would like to see our voice in areas where it currently doesn't exist. I. I love the tone of passion. That, that felt very, very sincere, all those things you wanted, which I absolutely love. Kira, from the kind of your perspective and maybe the studio side of things, like what, where's your kind of dream for where we could get this, what, what it could be in 10 years or more, like where you'd like to see the game talent pipeline thing get to? Yeah, absolutely. So I think kind of mirroring on from what was just said, um, I think the you know a perception of our career in the games industry is seen as you know something positive and lifelong. It's not just a a fad that is going um, really big at the moment. Um, I think as well, I'd like to um, in a dream world, you know, see a lot more cross industry. Um, you know, people moving from one area attack into um, a nice um, one within our studio. Um, I also think there's a big part of um, taking place in things like careers fair, fairs and educating, you know, the younger generation um, to what it actually is like and what careers there are out there. Because, you know, there's a lot of, as I've mentioned before, different roles within the gaming industry. You don't just have to be an artist or a programmer. There's lots of career paths that you can um, follow if you do come into the industry. And... Marcia, I feel a little bad after um, Kira and Shanila's brilliant perspective, brilliant informed perspectives. Um, anything to add? No, I joke, but you know, <laughs> um, no worries. If yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you agree with much of what they said. But is there? Um, yeah, where where do you hope things might get to in future years or even decades with this kind of thing? I guess we're at a point where we don't have to do a podcast about it, maybe. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But the the skills that we need in the industries are in the games industry are skills that are needed in all other sectors: visualization, storytelling, moving in an in a in an uh, uh, augmented environment. So I think we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves as well, um, and. Yes, we we're a growing industry, but we're in we're in competition. So I would like to see us looking at different talent pipelines and different routes into the industry, not just graduates, but looking outside, um, looking at vocational routes in and um, and just reaching our potential, taking people yeah. from right across the spectrum and and being a being a place of inclusivity and a productive and happy workforce. Yeah, and that's it, right? You're making me realise, or all of you are making me realise, the challenge is tremendous, but the gains outweigh it in so many ways. It's kind of almost not an option to move forward with this. Um, here's hoping in a few years' time we'll be having some conversation at an event at a newly formed, or even a few months' time, a newly formed organisation for connecting up all these efforts Thank you so much for your time. You've given me a hell of a lot of it. 
Um, so, yeah, uh, Marsha, Kira, Shanila, thanks so much for your amazing insights, your enthusiasm, um, yeah, your informed perspectives. Um, and, yeah, I will let you get back to your lives at the coalface of that effort. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. And there we have it, a really fascinating conversation. Plenty of challenges, plenty of reasons to be optimistic about the future of talent pipelines and kind of the games industry's relationship with education and talent and skills. We'll be back on the GI podcast feed in a couple of weeks with another episode of Playable Futures. Um, we'll be talking about the ways game consumption is changing in terms of the new ways there are to access games. We've moved from physical to digital, but now things, subscriptions and different platforms and services. Um, so yeah, we've got another interesting conversation for you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening and I'll see you then.